everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Two Drunk Fans. Gab, what are you drinking? Water. Ice cold water. Because Portland is kind of on fire. At least there's smoke everywhere. And I'm feeling really dehydrated. Um, what are you enjoying? I'm also drinking water because the temperature went back up in the northeast today and I engaged in heavy physical activity this afternoon. So, Oh, tell water. me more. Uh, my roommate's moving. We had to go help clean out her storage space. I had a couple things in there too. Some of those things were boxes full of books and... <laughs> You know, purists who talk about, oh, I need the scent of the book and the feeling of the page. I'm like, oh, I'm holding a thousand books in my hand right now. Doesn't weigh a thing. It's a couple ounces right here, all on my phone. One thousand books. So that was the trick I learned of like tw- 12 years ago when I moved is you have to spread the books out amongst a bunch of different boxes. No, what the, the key to books is. So a lot of places sell book boxes and you think, oh, they're so small. They're small for a reason, you dumb asshole. Totally. Like, if you think about your book bag at school, right? Once your book bag was full, that shit was awful. So you why, fell backwards. Why wouldn't a box with that amount of books in it also be fucking awful? Anyway. So were you moving book boxes? Yeah, some of them, yeah. And some of them were just like... There were, there were these big plastic tubs in there, too, that were too big for one person to carry, and I hate that. Right? I really hate like, that. You have to have like really really extendo arms like inspector gadget arms once that thing is full too it's like how can you you'd better be filling that with cotton (laughs) the the size of the container right should be inversely proportional to the density of the material that goes in it i mean it should be but when did you originally pack those totes a long time ago before i was a packing master science Mm, i just didn't think it through see I've gotten better. I'm a master at packing now because in this hellhole economy, in this hellhole city, like you have to move every two years. So, okay. Well, then, since we're both hydrating like adults, let's just jump right in. Let's uh, let's talk about tonight first. Let's talk about tonight first. Well, do you want to go over our scores from last time? No, we'll do that at the end. So, so we gotta get we gotta get the score prediction in before they even give us a roster. Right. So Seattle Rain hosting Chicago at home. I think the thing we need to be aware of here is that there's smoke all over the Pacific Northwest and down into uh, California, California um, which means the league has mandated water breaks at 15, 30 minutes. And then and oxygen and oxygen available and like medical personnel. And we'll talk about that in a second as soon as we do the actual score prediction. Midweek game, Seattle hosting Chicago. Chicago uh... last played Friday. Uh, Seattle played over the weekend, right? Yeah, but they... Oh, they were away, though. They were at Utah as well. Yeah. And dealing with smoke and all this crap. They played... Yeah, they played their... So this is our second game in those smoky-ass conditions. (sighs) Keep in mind, Megan Rapinoe seems tired as hell. She has not had a break. Yeah, but she's also spunk. She's just pure spunk. Um, I'm gonna say Chicago 1, Seattle 2. Wow, I think this is it for Chicago. I'm going to call this 2-1 to one for Chicago. Whoa. So now let's jump into talking about this match and the air quality problem. Because we already saw it on Saturday with Utah and Seattle. Where they had to have the 15-minute water breaks. And they had to have oxygen available. And they were monitoring the quality. And they were like, in the Utah game, they said it was bad enough that if you have 
any kind of asthma related condition it's really not recommended that you go out in that smoke and then you had players who did have asthma related conditions and they were running around on a field for 90 minutes you could tell too you could tell it was affecting them i just i mean at some point like an adult needs to take over right and make not business decisions like the reason why they're not postponing is because it takes forever and a day to reschedule and work toward the end of the season so the window to be able to reschedule is basically between now and the second week of september so they have like a four-week window where they could reschedule but all these teams are running like crazy toward the end of the season yeah that i mean i understand the logistical problem like okay it's hard to reschedule if they can't reschedule then what happens does each team get a point like is it considered a forfeit by both like what happens that's there's really no fair resolution to this if they have to cancel and can't replay it i think they go either play foosball (laughs) or futsal they pick one player from each team they meet in the center circle of the pitch like they're tied together at the angle to each other and then they have a fist fight oh jesus (laughs) <laughs> this just got like MTV Real World Road Rules Challenge cutthroat esque. But you know, refereed and they're wearing protective gear and stuff. It's just you know, oh, a you fist didn't fight. say that part. No, I'm not talking about like a bar brawl, but like a monitored fist fight. It just happens to be in the center circle. I think we should have send them like to California for some sort of surfing competition. It should be a montage of like Princess Diaries style tasks mm-hmm. <laughs> where they do archery. Yeah. And then, like, etiquette and dancing. Totally. And they get graded by Julie Andrews. Mm, yeah. I have zero problem with this. Okay. But, I mean, it, it does it does pose an issue, but it's, like, the solution is not not doing anything. It's, it's become an issue of player safety and fan right. safety as well. I mean, obviously, fans aren't going to be running around on a pitch for 90 minutes, but player safety. Has the league talked to the Players Association? I mean, that's a great question. I don't know if they have. Obviously, they're not going to broadcast that on Twitter. But this is where a strong players union needs to be coming to account. And obviously, the PA is not a union yet. But I would hope that if a player had a serious reservation about their health, that they could go to the Players Association. Now, the other side of that is these are all crazy, like obsessively competitive professional athletes. So a lot of them may think it's worth it to breathe smoke for 90 minutes in order to get three points. They might be thinking they can do it. That too. Not necessarily it's worth it, but like, oh, if she can do it, I can do it. Yeah, that American athletic, like, I don't want to be the one to complain. I should just suck it up and do it. It's, it's, they're playing chicken, but with their respiratory systems. And I think Chicago especially is thinking, we have to do this. They're at 29 points at five in the standings. Orlando has 30. Portland has 32. If they win this one game... They leapfrog. They, they leapfrog, but they won't jump Portland because Portland has a better goal differential unless Chicago yes. beats them by, like, four at least, and that's not happening. No, it will not happen. Yeah. It will not happen. But... Yeah, I can see how a team in fifth would be like, okay, well, fuck your smoke. We'll just drink a lot of water, inhale a lot of oxygen, and, you know, take the risk for 90 minutes. Can they play with, like, face masks on? <laughs> like those people who are traveling and they don't want to get sick? Yeah. Maybe. I don't I don't think those things do anything. I think they do. Like, if you have a properly rated face mask and it, like, can filter out 
you know, whatever standard pathogens. But I feel like a properly rated face mask is not a paper thingy that you put over your face. It's it's a thing that has actual filters on it. Well, now I have to go Google this, but after the show. <laughs> I need to know. I, lo- I love it when I push those buttons. I like to know things, and I want to be able to definitively tell you if you're wrong, because I like doing uh, that too. Give us an update next week. Okay, thanks. So I think this is... I mean, obviously, there's the immediate micro issue of, like, player safety in this one game, but it speaks to the greater issues of, like, who's in charge here? Who's the adult of the league? Who represents the players on a broader scale when you have these kind of big issues? Like, there's um, 40 players here potentially at risk, give or take. I mean, it'd be great if we had a commissioner. Like, is y'all Averbush just in charge? She, I guess she should be, but that's a lot of responsibility for one person who's technically still an active player. Let's not talk about retirements just yet. That's, just yet. That conversation is coming up in a matter of weeks. Mm-hmm. Let, let's talk about the big issue that you and I have been putting off because we just haven't had the energy to deal with it. And it does take energy to deal with this issue, like. I don't think people understand properly the the mental and emotional cost it takes to discuss the issues that op- oppress them. And what I'm referring to here is Julie Foudy being kind of a disappointment. Never meet your heroes. I'm going to put it on a t-shirt and send it to all of my heroes because I don't want to meet them. So I don't want to go in for like purity politics BS where like if someone says a problematic thing in one area, it means they're canceled forever. I can acknowledge that people are good on one axis and bad on another. Like, I have my own blind spots where I can be really good at processing some issues and on others, you know, my privilege stops me from uh, considering topics that other people take in just automatically. It takes me a little more effort to think about them. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't make the effort, right? Right. Right. And I think that's why we've been waiting to have this conversation till you and I are both in a spot where we can put the effort in. Right. So we are, of course, referring to Julie Foudy tweeting about the Jaylene Hinkle situation. We know this is weeks old and some of you just don't want to think about it anymore. You might consider it done and dusted. She's probably not getting called up again. That's fine. I completely understand. If that's how you feel, feel free to fast forward past this segment. You know, if I didn't, if I was tired or something and then somebody brought it up weeks later, I'd be like, ugh, I'd fast forward too. So no problem there. But for people who want to talk about it, Julie Foudy tweeted, uh, quote tweeted someone at Nash Capo who said that they were super disappointed Julie Foudy supports Hinkle's homophobia, which is the only conclusion to be drawn from her support for calling her back up and not condemning Hinkle's homophobic interview. Bad luck. Julie quote tweeted, just because someone thinks different than you or me does not mean they don't have a right to play, understand the difference. And it's like, read the room, Julie. Yep, read the room, read the audience, um, but also read that statement in any other in any other context. Right? What if they had said, super disappointed that Julie Foudy supports Hinkle's um, racism? Mm-hmm. Or like Islamophobia? And then she said, just because someone thinks different. So we've said repeatedly that it's not just that she thinks different. It's that she vocalizes her thoughts and tries to encourage other people and proselytize to them that this is the correct way to be. 
And she's given a platform. She's given a platform. Um, right? It's not like she's just some, some person staying on a corner with a megaphone trying to get your attention during rush hour about whatever whatever cause is near and dear to their heart in that moment. She is given a platform. Their front office, the, the Courage's front office, gave access to a media outlet that is spreading hate. The other thing I want to point out here is I really detest this whole gotta hear both sides attitude. It's a failure of critical thinking. Um, I I really wish that it, it were taught better in schools because we're raised with this kind of like freedom of speech means you have to allow everything into the marketplace of ideas and everything has equal weight. When When you think about it, not all ideas are equally good. Not all speech is equally good. Like, are you really trying to tell me that, you know, Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech is on the same level as, like, a racist calling someone the N-word? Clearly, th those are drastic examples. But it it's clear that not all speech has the same value. And not, and not all speech should be always tolerated by everyone. And there does not need to be a balance in the messaging. There does not need to be a, well, if we're having gay pride, well, why don't we also hear from the other side? Like, that does not need to be, that. that is not how you have a conversation. Well, it also that is, that is lazy. Well, it completely denies any historical context around the group, because why do we have pride, for example? It's because queer people are historically a marginally, they're a marginalized group who have suffered oppression for hundreds of years, not just decades, in, you know, multiple countries in multiple ways. So we have pride as a way of kind of reminding ourselves that we exist and we have a right to take up space and be celebrated and, you know, be with other people like us in safe spaces, to be unashamed of who we are. And then when people go, for example, well, why don't we have straight pride? It's like, I wasn't aware that straight people had been persecuted for centuries for being straight. So it's that's the difference. Yes, yes. And and when we when we try to create this intellectual conversation that's not actually driven by intellect, but we're just trying to be fair in some sense of the word. Like the 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 start line is not fair to start with. What Hinkle has said and what the courage and what the U.S. soccer has has empowered her to do, given her a soapbox for, is speech, is language, is um, a use of religion that we have been actively countering for going on 30 years. Well, I want to break it's this... It's a step backwards. I, I also want to break this down further. So we already addressed just because someone thinks different. So... It's not just thinking different, and the thought is an inherently bigoted one. Yes. Does not mean they don't have a right to play. Well, let's let's break that down. Right to play generally, I would agree. Everybody has a right to play the game in a general sense. I'm not going to stop someone from kicking around on a field. But what we're talking about here is representing the United States in soccer to the rest of the world. Do, does someone who holds a belief 
that we as a society are starting to come around on generally and realize is bad, you know, harmful, does that person have the right to represent the United States? Put on a jersey with the, the crest of U.S. soccer on it, with three stars that represent the generations that have come before them, to play with other people who, some of whom are openly gay, right, and embody some of the ideals that we're trying to strive for in terms of equality, diversity, Do, does that person have a right to play for the U.S. women's national team? I'm, I'm asking, like, seriously. If she had said, I think we should uh, deport all brown people from this country, does she have a right to play on the U.S. women's national team? Where, where are you going to draw the line here, right? Yep, yep. Where, where are you going to draw the line, and at what point does, at what point does an organization take a stand? At what point does an organization not just take a stand, but actively educate, actively pursue? I don't want to call it like intolerance training, but like, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm trying to figure out what I want to say here. Like, well, at what point does an organization? realize that there's a systemic problem if u.s soccer wants to be apolitical and say we call in whoever regardless of belief that's fine then if that's your operating policy that's what it is and then people can make their own decision based on that information but if you're going to make that your policy and say we make decisions based on soccer and soccer alone then you can't have pride month you can't be marketing rainbow merchandise to queer people and saying, we see you and support you and we love that you're our fan. And then say, on the other hand, but we're apolitical and we're not going to take a stance against this thing that hurts your community. But we want your money. That gay cash spends just as well as anybody else's. Totally. Totally. I mean, and that's been, that market has been thriving for the women's national team since 2011 since way before and, 2011 you and i both know the history of queer women is pretty entangled with the history of supporting women's soccer at least in the united states since probably since you know very shortly after there was an official women's national team totally totally but i'm what i'm saying is a lot of these this major new money this wave of money i would say is also due to you know queer people interesting I do think some of the most fervent supporters of women's soccer in the United States at the local level, especially, so we're talking about maybe NWSL here or W League, uh -huh. it's very often queer women. If you uh -huh. go into any supporters group for any NWSL team, you are probably going to find a pretty strong queer presence. Totally, and not to say that there aren't other that, that there aren't straight people involved in those organizations but there will be queer women and queer people so what i want to ultimately say to julie foudy because in many areas i respect her deeply she's done so much work for the women's game and you know she obviously has her strengths but like we said before you also have your blind spots privilege sometimes prevents you from taking in what people from a different place in life are trying to tell you that's okay as long as you sit down later and go someone told me something different let me consider why i disagreed with it 
and if I'm actually right or if there's something else here that I need to consider. I'm willing to give people who have demonstrated a certain level of good faith time and room to work. I think based on Julie Foudy's work in the game, it's it's not coming from a place of malice, it feels like to me. Obviously, I don't know her personally. I don't know what her personal beliefs are. But this feels different than someone who's like trolling or just throwing up a wall. It feels like someone who is saying this in all earnestness because they haven't had to consider it from our point of view, which is, of course, privilege in action. It's it's one of those things that makes makes me wonder how much how much hatred do people allow because it wears a mask of religion or because they've been taught like you have to tolerate other people's opinions even though those opinions may be i don't want to tolerate you sure sure and and julie is is in a fortunate position where she doesn't have to feel um attacked by that she can approach it academically, once again, mm-hmm. a product of privilege. But it's our lived experiences, it's our lives, and we're seeing the actual, tangible, real damage that these thoughts are doing to our community. Because it's not just thoughts, it's never limited to just thoughts. When people think this way, it influences how they behave, who they hang out with, you know, where they want to go to learn about themselves and the world. If it's just one person thinking it, it's fine, but it's a community of people thinking it. It it makes me so here's an issue that I've had with US soccer. And I could maybe lump Julie in here as well because she's media. She could do the interview. She could ask the questions. Um, it's partially why I'm upset with her is because she needs to be asking questions and she needs to not be ignoring this. But when when Hinkle makes the camp and there's a really really big gay wad on the squad she calls herself that herself yeah um why is nobody talking or letting megan rapino speak why is the culture hush why is the culture don't talk about it i'm sure megan rapino has opinions did u.s soccer tell her do not voice them about a teammate is North Carolina Courage telling players to not voice them about a teammate? Is Julie Foudy, Julie Foudy, who grew up in you know the '90s with U.S. soccer, and uh, which I mean is a, a very toxic culture. That that '90s um, team was very much like just shut up and do it. Right. Like there was a lot of problems with what was going on in women's soccer in the 90s, but they all had this goal and they all had this drive, but they created this culture of we need to be X in order to be accepted into mainstream America or we need to be X in order to make it on TV. I, I understand the the genesis of a we have to take what we can get and make the most of it uh, and make the most of it to sort of like inch forward in progress. But the progress has been made. We're ready to start making more progress. It just reminds me of when we were talking about Sky Blue and trying to uncover the problems there where Caroline Stanley talked about an older established play, player telling her, you just need to be grateful for what you have and not complain. 
that's a older attitude that maybe is still a little bit prevalent and it's my hope that these younger kids coming up see that the progress has been made and think oh that doesn't mean stop it means progress can be made therefore we Mm -hmm. should always push for more progress it's entirely Mm -hmm. possible yeah and you know i i do think that that to a certain degree some of this is cultural to how old people are and their life experiences and whatnot but i i really really wish that and it's not her job it's not megan rapino's job to do this but I do wish that she could have a conversation with Julie Foudy to explain to her what is the reality of this situation. That's and what that's I would want. not just a small subset of people who hate North Carolina. That's what I would want. If if somehow Julie Foudy learned of this, I would want her not to feel attacked or threatened i would want her i my deepest wish would be for her to hear what we're trying to say and how it's fueled by such pain and sadness everything you and i have discussed has been fueled by like such incredible pain i i because you know first of all for the initial hurtfulness of what hinkle has said and done and then all the follow-up of people not understanding why it was so hurtful and being willing to dismiss what we're saying about how it hurts us you don't get to tell someone who just got punched in the face, well, mm, I don't think that really hurts as much or the way that you think it does. Uh, people should have the right to punch people. We've it's... been we've been punched repeatedly, and this was just the latest one. So I really wish you would hear how this is coming from a place of deep, deep generational hurt. And if you are willing to talk to one of us about it, I would love to talk to you and answer any questions you might have and be willing to have that debate with you. That's not enough. That's not something I offer everybody because that's an in- incredible amount of emotional labor. You and I have needed weeks in order to build up to just having this conversation between ourselves. Yeah. So I'm disappointed. I am. I have come full circle. I am my mother now. I am disappointed. <laughs> I I am disappointed as well. I um. It makes me realize that there are lessons to learn. Everybody needs to be constantly aware that our own life experiences are our biggest weaknesses because we don't know what other people have gone through and we shouldn't speak about what other people have gone through in a way that belittles that person. And it's, it's incredibly difficult to always be aware of that, but it's almost like due diligence, right? Like if you're going to be engaging in social media or if you're going to be engaging in conversation or debate or some, some, something like that, you can't go in and bulldoze other people. I mean, I, granted, that is what debate is. So maybe debate wasn't, wasn't the best. <laughs> but you, you have to listen. You have to really listen to what the other side is saying and not just that volume or that tone or that you know she was obviously upset because of x y and z or or he was mad because he was speaking loudly you have to listen to the words that are actually being said so i think here's my my last thought on it you're right about listening because personal improvement progress requires constant vigilance i guess not to be too mad i moody about it but it takes 
constantly checking in with yourself and interrogating your motives, your reactions. And that can be terrifying because sometimes you may discover something about yourself that you don't like or that you weren't aware of that it suddenly makes you aware that you were doing something wrong. But that's the hard work that we owe to each other as we all live in a society together. If you want to become a better person, then you have to be willing to confront the ugliest parts of yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I successfully do that all the time. I've definitely stuck my head in the sand on a couple of issues, but hopefully I'm getting better about doing that. And I hope Julie and everybody else who's trying to have a conversation about this is willing to do that too. I just want Julie to have a conversation. Maybe she is. Maybe she's having that conversation with people in her private life. If she is, then I, that's I fine. I hope so. If, if not, um, DM me. If not, Julie, we would love to have a conversation with you. An open letter to Julie Foudy. I guess that's the title of this episode. That's the title of this episode, and we are going to have to send it to her. But we'll be there with donuts. For, for because you. I'm not. I'm not upset. I'm not upset with Julie. I'm. I really am just profoundly disappointed that she hasn't listened. Do you know what I hear when you say profoundly disappointed? I hear my mother coming in after I got a B on an exam and her saying, I am disappointed. It's because I know you can do better. If you had truly done your best and gotten a B, I would not be disappointed in you. But I know you're capable of an A. And then just be like (laughs) crying all night long. I feel like your mom. My mom has big Korean energy. So she's she has the power to make people cry very easily with her disappointment. I do not. So damn it. I can't be your mom. So I'm glad we finally got up the energy to talk about something. I think part of what took so much energy is because you and I both have so much respect for Julia Foudy. And, yeah. you know, it's it's a little bit... Dealing with disappointment takes energy. It does. And, and, and it's not... What, what happened with that response... Like, it's one thing if Abby Wambach gets a DUI, right? Like, mm-hmm. Abby Wambach is a, a, a hero. She gets a DUI. I probably said, now meet your heroes. Well, yeah, but that also is just dumb, you know? Like, somebody can say something really dumb, do something really dumb. But for Julie Foudy to not want to even learn... Theoretically, not, theoretically, right, she right, might right, be learning right. personally. The, the, theoret, theoretically, like she could have, she could have he- responded to that and had fifteen of her of her teammates or former players or or other people in her life, you know, willing to have that conversation, willing to put that labor in. But it's just profoundly disappointing. It's a little bit disillusioning sometimes to to, to see someone make a human mistake. Yeah. And but I think if you have the energy for it and if it's a person who you know isn't coming at it from a bad faith angle, we can have room to allow for mistakes. That's the hopeful part of it, right? When there's room to allow for mistakes because you believe that someone can change. Mhm. Okay. I believe people can change. Do you believe people can change? I do, and I'm not going to start the stupid chant, even though my brain told me to. If I can change, 
and you can change <laughs> not that one but uh, yeah like i'm just i'm yeah. really biting my tongue to not start the stupid chant adrian adrian i, I love if... I, I i love it i love it keep Our... keep 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 distracting me i hope it's older fans who listen to this show because their younger fans are gonna be like who's adrian why did her voice get so funny it's it has to do with this old actor who's in Creed that hot new Michael B. Jordan flick that dropped in like twenty fifteen. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Okay. Do you want to talk about NWSL again? <sighs> let's that's talk not... about NWSL. Let's uh let let's talk about how many points you made last week and then how let's talk about what's gonna happen. Yeah, I week. might have made some wild might have taken some wild swings. Sometimes I go for the haymaker and it doesn't land. We're gonna go over results. Utah, Washington. I said 2 nothing. you said 2-1. We both thought Utah was going to win. Indeed they did, but only by one. So we both got the same number of points. Yay! Why are you so doom and gloom about it? We both did the, you know, and you were even closer than I was. You said it would be a one-goal difference. I, I, I channeled, I channeled, and I channeled uh, that, that score prediction. Okay. The next game, Chicago Red Stars versus North Carolina Courage was a tie which you once again predicted correctly would happen. Are you serious? Yeah, you said it was going to be 2-2. <sighs> yeah. What would you predict? Not that. What would you predict? I predicted it would be 1-2. to two. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I win. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Even though I'm closer to the total miracle. Anyway. <clears throat> I'm sorry, what? Nothing. Because you, you only predicted three goals and I predicted four. Yeah, whatever. Is this what you it know. feels like to be you? Ugh. Okay. Utah Royals, Seattle Reign. I predicted Seattle would beat Utah 3-1. You predicted Utah would beat Seattle 2-1. And in fact, Seattle beat Utah 1-0. All right. Nah, Some points there you go with your there points now. There we go. And then Sky Blue, FC, Houston Dash. Oh, Sky Blue. God. I thought this might be... I thought they might even like scrape a tie out of this but they didn't anyway i called it exactly houston beat sky blue <laughs> 2-1 <laughs> and i predicted houston would beat sky blue 2-1 you said sky blue was gonna win 1-0 oh, I, I can't believe that was your guess and my guess i should have been the one saying sky blue i know <laughs> i feel like we gotta go back to the tape on that one because i i have a gut feeling that you <clears throat> would have been going for them no i remember that i tried to predict houston would win to reverse jinx sky blue into winning oh you did right right right, right. this right. was the one el uno and it didn't happen did not happen you know what's I, I think i think sky blue is gonna go the whole year without a win oh my god what's it's encouraging to me though is that i think sky blue the rate at which they're scoring is slowly increasing doesn't it feel like that to you, right? The rate at which they're scoring goals, even if they're not winning, is going up. Yeah, but what's the rate of them giving up goals? I don't want to talk about it. Because <laughs> I feel like if those two lines are on the same trajectory, they will never cross. I don't have those numbers for you. I don't have the TPS reports. <laughs> okay, here's where you're going to like throw confetti. Orlando Pride 0, Portland Thorns 2. Guess who guessed it exactly? Me. Yes, it was you. I did. I did it. Okay, I did Gollum. The thing. Just calm down. I'll tell I you did what the I did. Thing for my team. So first of all, 
Orlando defense was a disaster all night <laughs> it was long. So much fun. I felt bad for Ashlyn Harris, like her defense doing her dirty like that. I never feel bad for Ashlyn Harris. Oh, it's weird. Have a heart. Have a heart. <laughs> she's just a. She's just a. You know, in Pride and Prejudice, Darcy has his friend who's just really sweet and kind of a little bit naive about the world, but he, like yes. everybody likes him. Like he reminds me a little bit of Ashlyn Harris. I can see that if I squint. Right. Although in that case, does that make Alex Morgan Mr. Darcy? Like who's the uh, like more brooding yeah. friend who's like a little more um pessimistic about the way the world works? I so I Mar- predict Marta. Marta? Marta's Marta. Mr. Darcy? Marta is Mr. Darcy. Wow. Gab just called Marta the Mr. Darcy of NWSL. Or at least Orlando. Orlando. Of Orlando. Mr. Darcy of Orlando. We should send that to her as a tagline. I bet she'd love it. I'm sure she would get it. I'm sure Pride and Prejudice has been translated into Portuguese. It's a... Oh, I'm absolutely sure it has been, but it is a random (laughs) nickname to give someone. The Mr. Darcy of Orlando. (laughs) It is a random as fuck nickname. So I'm not saying that she isn't familiar. I'm saying that it will not come to top of mind. Okay. Here's the other thing that I... Watch, it's her favorite. It's like her favorite movie or something. The other thing that I noticed about Orlando Portland wasn't on the field. It was in the commentating box. So Josh kept saying Choma Ubogogu's name wrong, like throughout the whole broadcast. And every time he said it wrong, immediately afterwards, Danielle Malagari would say Ubogogu correctly. And I was like, why is Josh not picking up what she's putting down? What's going on here? And I noted it because I think it's important to get players' names right generally, but it's more important to do so when you have non-stereotypically white-sounding names. Yes. So on, on one level, it's a matter of being a professional to get these names correctly, and it's not hard to find a pronunciation of Chiomo Bogu's name. I think I've said many times, when you Google her, when you search for her on YouTube, the very first result for her is a video where she says in the first five seconds, Hi, I'm Chiomo Bogu. Like, mm-hmm. she pronounces it for you. And then second of all, yes, because she does have a name that may not come easily to many white Americans, it's more important to get her name correct because these names, as someone who has a non-white name, even though it's fairly simple, these names tend to get mispronounced throughout your whole life because people just don't want to make the effort to get them right. Because it's a lot easier to say Williams or Smith. Well, and then you perpetuate it because especially when you're being an announcer, now somebody else thinks that they know how to pronounce her name. Yeah. You remember people just mispronounced Yael Averbush for, for years. All, all the time. I all did too time. because on, on broadcast they said Yale, 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 Yale. But- I always, I, to, to this day, it, I will still say Yale. Yeah, and it's Yale. That's not even especially hard to say. It's not different. But because that's what was said on the broadcast, that's what we all assumed was right. So you're absolutely right that commentating perpetuates a a problem with mispronunciation and that mispronunciation is often much more of a problem with people with non-white sounding names in the United States. So that was my big thing about the league this week, off the pitch anyway. And I uh, respect Malagari for immediately trying to correct it every single time. I cannot wait for the NWSL to have standards. Standards? They, yeah. In this economy? Yep. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. All right. So we've already made our prediction for Wednesday. We wanted to get that in under the wire. 
Let's make some calmer predictions for the rest of the weekend. There's four games, one Friday, three Saturday. First one, Houston Dash hosting the Washington Spirit at home. Oh, boy. Washington hasn't looked great. Washington has looked a little bit like a train wreck. And Houston's at home? Yes, indeed. They are at home at BBVA Compass Stadium. Oh, God. And boy, do I have Uh, a quote for you from Chris Kennedy in a second. Three to nothing, Houston. I'll say two to one, Houston's going to win. But Washington might scrap one back. I have to read to you this quote from, from Chris Kennedy because it's wild to me that he actually said this on the record. So Chris Kennedy uh, talked to the Equalizer and uh-huh. he said, I'll be the first one to raise my hand and say that our business plan didn't work, which was that we were going to share the resources of the Dynamo to make the Dash work. That plan didn't work. I'm not going to hide behind that, etc. It was a good plan on paper that didn't work in reality and now we're changing it. And he said they're going to put more specific dedicated focus toward the dash so they so that we have a group of people waking up in the morning thinking only about the dash instead of double duty what i think he told on himself so badly with this quote that he thought you could run a professional women's soccer team with people who weren't thinking solely about that team dash fans should be outraged by this quote i think i uh, my brain, uh, my my Portland brain went immediately to, hmm, I wonder if the Thorns have any Thorns dedicated only non-coaching staff staff. He said, I still think on paper philosophically having the same ticketing and marketing people servicing both teams works, but in reality it's not. We're making the adjustment and we're going to put more specific and dedicated resources, you know, towards the dash. Now? Now you're doing this? Yeah, that was quite an expensive experiment. I, w- I would imagine most teams would only wait like a year to Before, yeah. say, okay, let's pivot. Let's do something different. Plus, those poor Dynamo staffers having to do a right? second job. I know he didn't think of it as a second job. He probably thought of it as like, just adding a couple additional duties. But... You're doing two jobs. You should be compensated for it, and they probably weren't. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. That really God, sucks. What a what a tire fire. Anyway, Kristen Press should have gone to Houston. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please don't you kill s- me. Houston you fans. said that out loud. You said <laughs> that out loud, and now everybody has heard you. Uh, maybe she'll want can, to go to Houston the after like from, they'll from, they'll try to they make here. these changes and you know what I would love for them to implement these changes and for the marketing and the better ticket sales staff and and stuff to work and for Houston's attendance to skyrocket and for them to go you could have joined us when you had the chance but you didn't so who needs you you know yep. that would be fine that would be great that would be great to be to be that organization um i highly doubt any sports team in any uh market would actually do that (laughs) but it would be great if they did i would love it so good luck houston dash front office i hope you get that the help that you need i hope that you find some dedicated people hey what do you think about houston has great food Houston has a great food scene. I've said this like multiple times. It's basically the number one fact that I note about Houston, that it has a great food scene now. Next game. Sky Blue Next FC game. is hosting Utah Royals. 
Sad trombone. What? what do you think Sky Blue's got? You tell me. They'll be at home. <laughs> However much that counts for. And they'll have Carly Lloyd back from red card suspension. <laughs> God, she had a red card suspension. <laughs> for the hand of Lloyd. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The hand of Lloyd. I want, like, a, a Renaissance-style painting with, like, light from heaven shining down on her hand as it swaps the ball away from the goal. I want I want a, a like, that. old comic books, like, an uh, old Batman episode. Swap! <laughs> Pow! Yeah. That's the shit I'm here for. Fuck your scoreline. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Sky Blue. Uh, Utah's gonna win this one. But they'll win it two to one. I am gonna say Utah three, Sky Blue one. Ooh. You know what? I think that's pretty fair, actually. <laughs> Sky Blue, I think they're figuring out how to score, finally. Yeah. They're yeah. Just... I mean, if you if you look at the number of goals that they've scored recently, it's yeah. been increasing, right? Yeah. All right, North Carolina Courage at home hosting Orlando Pride. North Carolina needs nothing out of this game. They are at, uh... oh, your ride's here. <laughs> I was wondering if you could hear that. Yeah. Uh, North Carolina has 50 points, 5-0. Speaking of the cops, 5-0. 5-0. Orlando oh has 30 points and desperately needs three more if they really want to, you know, stay in that top four and avoid Chicago elbowing past them so north carolina hosting orlando at home what do you think north Carolina's not gonna lose at home that's one thing i think uh orlando doesn't do well under pressure that's another thing i think so i'm gonna say those two things equal four north carolina goals and a marta brace oh four to two that is a crazy game yeah it's gonna be the most exciting sorry orlando fans I'm also going to say 4-2, to two because you just described such a vivid scenario. I was like, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I'm a good storyteller. <laughs> so you have a podcast. All right. Last one. Oh, we should have switched up, because it's Portland hosting Chicago. I guess uh, I'll go first, then. This will be Chicago's second game of the week, though. But they're only traveling. And it'll be smoky. They're only traveling from Seattle, though, so it's not It'll terrible. be smoky. It'll be smoky. Once again, two teams that really need points. I bet Portland would love to shore up their position at 35 points. Three to two for Portland. It's going to be a real rough game for you guys. Sorry. I'm going to have to wear a diaper. I am going to say two to nothing Portland. Okay. Oh, God, they have Sam Kerr, though. They do have Sam Kerr and Yuki Nagasato. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm having flashbacks to the preseason tournament. Danny Colaprico's been having a solid season, too. I'm going with my heart, not my head. Two to nothing, Portland. Okay. I put it in. There's no changing it. I mean, yeah, there's changing it. It's a, it's a spreadsheet. <laughs> it's but a it's not like a tattoo or anything. But you said it. It's not like a tattoo. You said it, and now you got to live and die by it. I will. Come on, Portland. Come on, you girls. I'm red pretty long episode this week but i guess you and i had a lot of feelings that had been building up for a long time and we just needed to like spray them all over each other well you know that's what we do and i think that it's therapeutic to talk about these things out loud 
might be our gayest episode yet because we had to do so much processing. <laughs> Maybe. It might be. I feel very emotionally in an okay spot, though. I feel like some of our other processing episodes have been, like, way, way, way stirring up of emotions, whereas this one was more like an output. Yeah, that's true. That's true. There was there was pain, but it was more of a a manageable, like, here's how we're logically wanting to deal with it sort of thing yeah all right i think we it's made good really processing. good progress in this session so uh why don't you go see my assistant out there and we'll get you scheduled in for next week cool be sure to bill me the 300 dollars. i fucking wish 